Welcome to Barbecue to Movies. This is scriptwriter Steve, and today is November 24th, 2020. And uh, I'm hoping I have uh, more information to make this podcast a lot more interesting. Um, lately, I have not been talking about barbecue, and I have not been talking about movies. Um, one thing is because politics is on everyone's mind. Um, even though I did barbecue yesterday, I still don't, don't want to talk about barbecue. And uh, the movie theaters are just closed. Um, it's crazy. Like, Regal, is, is, I think they're going out of business, but um, my friend said he's still getting emails from them, so I'm not sure what's happening. And, uh, but I think AMC is still open. I'm not sure. Um, but, I, man, I really want to go to the movies to review something. But uh, today, we'll be talking more politics. Uh, I have here, let's see here. I'm actually having notes this time. Um, I'm going to talk about some headlines that grab my attention and do some commentary on that. And then I'll jump over to talk about the Trump derangement syndrome, um, TDS. Uh, it should be uh, a mental illness. Um, we, you know, Michael Savage coined the term liberalism is a mental disorder. Well, I think that's pretty much true. Um, Trump derangement syndrome, I think that should be something there. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go into my theory of it and um, why it is fueled by the type five intellect, in, in, the, hold on, the, fueled by the type five intellectual personality. Sorry, my tongue got stuck there on the roof of my mouth there. So uh, anyway, that's it right now, but I got to pay some bills. So uh, here's a commercial. All right, so I'm back. Sorry about that. I just had to pay the bills. You know, I've gotten um, a total of 25 cents from my podcast, which is uh, kind of funny because it, it, I'm, I'm kind of um, happy about that because actually that's more residual payment than I've got working on any television show or movies that I actually worked on. So that's kind of, that's kind of very funny. So you work for big name studios and you won't get a penny, but you work for... Uh, yourself on a podcast and you'll get 25 cents in three days. Not too bad. Hopefully it will get more as I get more popular. But anyway, why don't we go into some news here? Um, now, this happened yesterday. Uh, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court rejected six appeals which challenged 10,684 ballots over missing info. So I'm going to read a quote here. Harry concluded that while failures to include a handwritten name, address, or date in the voter declaration on the back of the outer envelope, while constituting technical violations of the election code, they do not warrant the wholesale disenfranchisement of thousands of Pennsylvania voters, the court's opinion said. So they're saying that basically because it wasn't you know, the, the outer envelope of these absentee ballots didn't have their correct name or no signature or date or anything that these ballots, ballots of 10,684 could not be, you know, disqualified. Um, and here's where, that's what you hear on the news. But here's where you, it gets very interesting. So I'm going to read more of the article. The court acknowledged 
that the law says voters, quote, shall fill out, unquote, the outer envelope, but argued that the use of the word shall does not imply the directive is mandatory and that a failure to comply with any part of it requires a board of elections to declare the ballot void and that it cannot be counted. So what they're saying is that the, um, <laughs> the word, just because the, it says there the voter shall fill this out doesn't mean they have to to make it actually a valid vote. That doesn't make any sense. That's pure lawyer speak there. Every time when I sign a contract, I see the word shall do this and shall do that. And if I do not do this, then there will be a penalty. So I would say, you know, when, and my signature on the bottom basically means that I am guaranteeing that this is authentic. And if you don't sign it, then there it's not, correct? So, and, and this is this almost reminds me of the time when when Bill Clinton was getting uh, impeached there, and he redefined redefined what the word is, and they told us it really de- it really meant what the word is meant. So it what what did is is mean? So uh, and that's how he got off of impeachment, which was completely ludicrous. So. Uh, Again, we're doing what shall means. So uh, shall does not mean it's mandatory. And I'll read another quote here. Quote, it has long been part of the jurisprudence of this commonwealth that the use of shall is not a statute and is not always indicative of a mandatory directive. In some instances, it is merely interpreted as a mere directory. So again, so uh, it just means like we're just suggesting that you sign it or suggesting that you put your name or address in there because we say you shall do it, not say you have to do it. And if you don't do it, it's not going to disqualify the vote. Uh, that is uh, really something else here. So uh, the Supreme Court, um, the two Republicans on there, of course, uh, had a real big problem with this. Um, Justice David Wecht and Kevin Daughtry. Not sure how to say that David Wecht his name. But anyway, they disagreed completely, but they lost 5-2. to two. Um, It is a very liberal judge there. So that's why those 10,684 ballots were not disqualified because they had not, they weren't disqualified because they didn't have a name out there. They were disqualified because of the definition of the word shall. Isn't that a bunch of baloney? All right. Um... Representative Heiss over in Georgia says there's very serious election problems there. Um, and then they went on to say that signature matching in Georgia, the recount, that's going to happen again. They're going to recount again. It said it can't be done, according to the Secretary of State, because they threw away the ballot that it came in. So... <laughs> When, when you receive an absentee ballot, or we've done melon ballots before, you sign the outside of it. And we did this for COVID right here in Hawaii. You sign the outside. And when it is open, you're supposed to have a Republican and a Democrat there at that site when that envelope is open before it is tossed. And when it is open, handled correctly, and both Republican and Democrat verify that this is a true ballot, 
then that ballot is, uh, is put into the pile where it can be processed. And in many cases, in some states, it's processed and countered right there electronically. Um, that didn't happen in Georgia. Uh, they did not have a Republican there, and sometimes not a Republican or Democrat there to verify these absentee ballots that were coming in. So they just opened it and then just put it in a pile. That makes it illegal. Um, so, and you can't count any of those. So that, 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 I'm not sure what's going on there. So, I mean, they should actually toss every absentee ballot out. Of course they won't, but, um, there's no way to verify that, that, uh, you know, it's a real person. It's a real vote. So, and that is the, all the news right here that I want to read right now here. I got it again from the Epic Times uh, really, really great thing. Um, they're not a sponsor of my podcast. Maybe one day they will be, but if you don't have it, sign up for it. Um, I am going to uh, take a break here, and I'll be right back. Um, no commercial break. I promise that, but I am just going to hit pause, all right? All right, I'm back, and this is the final segment. I didn't know I could do segments before, by the way. Again, I'm learning as I go. Eventually, there'll be commercial breaks and all that good things there. Um, but um, really new to this, by the way. It's really new. This podcasting thing is, uh, is quite interesting. Right now, if you want to know, I'm just recording on my cell phone, and I don't have actually any professional equipment at all. Um, I am just on that earphone wired thingamajig that you, know, you, you plug into your cell phone. And I'm just talking in my living room. So uh, I apologize if the sound doesn't come out too good. But anyway, uh, I am going to be talking about the Trump derangement syndrome, my take on it, and why I believe it's fueled by the type 5 intellectual personality. And that's, again, coming from the Enneagram. And uh, in case you didn't listen to my previous episode, um, the Enneagram is something I use to actually make sure I uh, write the, uh, I guess, most uh, accurate type of characters in my stories. I also use it for personal growth. Um, I learned about it when I was 18 to 19 years old when I first became a professional storyteller. And um, I relearned it again when a good friend of mine reintroduced it to me. And I took it a lot more serious than I did back then. And it has, I wish I took it really serious back when I was younger because it has uh, really helped me grow as a person and also helped me understand people, my business, my customers better. And it just also made me a much better writer. So, uh, you know, I can write much more colorful writers, I mean, much more colorful characters than ever before, much more accurate. Um, it, and it's uh, strangely, um, it's strangely accurate, and I can't explain why. So, so again, there's nine type of personalities there. Uh, we went over the type three and type four, uh, and also the type six, which is actually um, the majority of the Democrats, which are type six loyalists. And just to sum it up, that's basically tribal thinking. So we're talking about people who um, have a fear of abandonment and join a group to get rid of that fear of abandonment because they're always looking for rescuers. And they tend to be paranoid, um, very skeptical of people, government. Um, they have 
big time trust issues because they don't trust themselves and they have abandonment issues most of the time. And that dates all the way back to from, from childhood, usually. Um, and the reason is they usually come from broken families. So if you find have a, have a person who comes from a broken family, more than likely they're going to be a type 6 personality. And that type 6 personality will absorb their rescuers, um, I guess, habits and theologies. So if that type 6 loyalist becomes part of a gang, then they're gonna, they're they're gonna, I guess, become everything that gang leader tells them to be. Um, they'll be involved with a life of crime their entire life because that's all they knew and that's what they define as love. Um, or if that type loyalist goes into a church, a really good church and a healthy one, then they'll act like their church leader, their pastor, and hopefully live a much better life. So. Um, uh, and at the top, again, of these loyalists, and again, you can find them on both sides, but you'll find more of them on the Democrat side. At the top, you'll find um, people who influence them from all different angles. And it really depends on who their leader is. Like I told you before, a gang leader or a pastor, a politician, or so forth. But what we have more often right now um, are actually uh, a lot of kids are going to college right now, again, coming from broken families or not knowing who they are, and they're getting influenced by intellects. They like to, and they like to call themselves intellects, and these intellects are um, what we call the type five intellectual, um, the professors. And they're called the Nutty Professor, you, you remember that movie. And um, in movies, we, we like to have fun with them because uh, they actually overthrottle their brain all the time. And that's one, and that's pretty much in real life what they do. So. Um, I'm going to back up a little here before I go into this, and um, I want to talk about uh, really quickly about fear, anger, and agenda. And this kind of applies to all personality types. Um, fear, anger, and agenda. F-A-A. Make that an acronym. F-A-A. Fear, anger, and agenda. These are what pretty much powers every one of us. We are all powered by fear which actually powers us and then it evolves into anger. And then right on the side is our agenda. We all have hidden agendas, like it or not. And what we all have to get to actually grow as a person, we have to be less fearful, be less angry, and be less agenda-driven. So again, all three aspects here, fear, anger, and agenda. So whenever we talk about different personality types, Again, when we talk about the type six, the loyalist, they have a fear of themselves. Well, the type five intellectual, um, they actually have a fear of not knowing enough. Um, They are like vacuum cleaners of intelligence. If we were to actually assign an animal to them, they would probably be an owl. That, That person or that animal that sits upon the perch, looks down on everyone, observes everyone, but doesn't really want to interact with everyone. They're okay with just interacting with little bits and pieces, but owls only come out at night, and they only, and they only attack when they need to. They're, they are very introverted characters, and they love to live in a bubble. So this is where professors love to live. They love to live in an academic bubble, persuading their crowd, their loyalists, 
and they love to listen to themselves talk. Usually when you talk to an intellect, it's a one-way conversation. And one thing you really find interesting about them is that um, they're very smart. They're very, very smart. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong. They are very, very smart. But at the same time, they're very stupid because a lot of times their verbiage is just vocabulary and not a lot of substance. If you really listen carefully, um, they're not saying much and they're overcomplicating a lot of things. Now, when an intellectual is um, not very healthy, uh, they can tend to, what, what I call, I like to call it, over, overthrottle their brain. If you think, think about in, in being intellectual or intelligence is like a tachometer on a car and you have that red zone where you don't want to actually overthrottle your engine and push it into the red zone very often because once you do, that's it for your engine, right? You, you kind of, you know, burn it out, red it out. You can do that with your brain, especially intellects, and they go full on, they throttle past smart and, and go full retard. I mean, they actually go completely nuts. And this is where they start getting paranoid. And this is how you create some things like Trump derangement syndrome or just fear and paranoia. And then they have this agenda to try to actually convince everyone that they're not crazy when they actually are. And that's why intellects, a lot of them, um, they don't accomplish much out of the academic, I guess, um, business model. They have to stay there, be a tenured professor. Um, they're, and they're not, they're not very likable, in fact, they're, because they're just flat out crazy. Um, like, let's see, for a real, real world example, well, why don't we say, um, let, let's flash back into high school and where you had, you knew some of these nerds, you know, we don't want to be too mean to them, but they actually had more of a relationship with the library than people. That's usually your type five intellect. Um, but why don't we say about Albert Einstein? I, Einstein is probably one of the best known type five intellects out there. And he's known for, of course, E equals MC squared. But did you know that he didn't do anything with that equation? Not whatsoever. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He didn't create nuclear fusion or anything like that. Um, he didn't get rich off of it. He just stayed a, a professor. And he was really bad at being a professor, too, because he was always late at, you know, late to school, not really great at grading papers. He was, um, I believe, a patent or something like that. It's like a registrar or a patent or something like that. And I, I read that he was awful at doing that, too. So he was not very dependable. Um, and this is typical, again, of a type 5 intellect. They're very smart in this very narrow arena, um, but they're not very uh, good at anything else. I mean, for example, back when we had VCRs and you actually had to know how to program a VCR to make sure you, you, know, you record that, that, that program at that time, that date, and if not, you'll be messed up. Well, you, you'll find a lot of people who are just like, rocket scientists, but they couldn't program a VCR, which is incredible. So, uh, and, and it's like there's these, um, again, you know, a, a teacher will say, well, I have no, you know, they, they can explain to you um, the theory of relativity, and, but they can't create, it, create an Instagram story, which is so easy to do. I mean, it's, it's very easy to even operate your smartphone to do a really poor Instagram story, but they have no idea how to do it. So, um, this is, you know, where the intellect fails. So, again, what you have here is that you have these intellects in college, and they are going 
I guess, throttling the brain, overthrottling the brain, and coming up with theories why you know President Trump is a racist, um, that he's holding everyone back, being he has become the Satan of this world, and these kids are just soaking it all up, and they come out of college with this Trump derangement syndrome that the professor had, and uh, and then it's enforced by the media, and it, and it doesn't help that these intellects are guest speakers on these shows. So, so everything down from the theory of global warming, where, again, remember 20 years ago, they said that the earth was going to, you know, end, right? And remember, Al Gore said, you know, that uh, we're going to be underwater and all these things. I mean, I live here in Hawaii, and I remember seeing that map, and Hawaii was underwater. And, well, that didn't happen. And, um, you know, the Democrats really didn't believe that. I mean, especially Obama didn't believe that because he just, he still doesn't believe it, um, by the way, because, uh, you know, Trump got out of the Paris Climate Accord. And what did Obama do? He bought Magnum's house in Waimanalo, which is right there, you know, where Magnum P.I., Higgins, his house, well, he bought that house. You know, Obama is living, living in Higgins, and well, he tore it down. He's living where Higgins' house was in Magnum P.I., right there on the beach. And if he was actually scared of climate change, well, that place would be underwater in 30 years, correct? But he's not. So, uh, you know, he doesn't believe any of this because he's not paranoid, but he knows those guys are. So that's what it is right there with this Trump derangement syndrome where it actually comes from, it stems from these intellects. Um, it's enforced by the media who also are made up of many, many types of loyalists. And uh, that's the big, big problem here, with, again, with our world where we are actually celebrating, uh, celebrating, I guess, uh, unhealthy thinking. Oh, one more thing about those type 5 intellectuals. Well... They have gender studies over there in college now that convince you that a woman can have a penis, a men can have a period, and there's a, and that gender is more of a feeling than actually a physical trait. So um, again, really, really, really stupid. Correct. So um, that's your, that's your type five intellect there. Oh, but you know, when they're healthy, let's just talk about when they're healthy. When they're healthy, they are probably one of the most observational people you can find in the world. They, they know the difference between fact and fiction. They, um, they, they know when they're actually overthrottling the brain and getting too much into, um, I guess, it, it, into the fictional world. And what, when, why don't we talk about that really quick, too, which is really, um, it's really fascinating. Uh, when I was a writer, and uh, well, I'm still I'm a writer, uh, we actually um, we <laughs> we actually talked to a lot of scientists, and um, and uh, this one scientist told me he said that almost every single science out there is fictional. Um, in fact, at the outskirts of even chemistry, which is probably the most absolute science you can get, he said there exists fiction. Um, so they said, you know, scientists, they said they, they just make things up, these theories and everything, even the theory of evolution. They're writing. They're actually writing up stories. They don't really know how the dinosaurs walked or how evolution actually happened or, or, um, or how any of these things actually happened. So he said that it, they're, they're actually, you know, creating stories like how we do for movies, which, um, which I, I, I found was pretty interesting. So, 
So when I take a look at some of their studies, um, I could tell where fiction existed. So my, my skills as a rewriter, which is most of the jobs over there in Hollywood, which is like rewriting other people's scripts, um, it, you really got to, when, it, when, it, when the studies came out, for example, like on hydroxychloroquine, um, it was very apparent to me that they were actually faked. And that's why that Lancet, Lancet study had to be pulled. Um, from my point of view, it looked 100% fake. And, 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 uh, and I could tell because they were, they were saying that hydroxychloroquine didn't work. And they concluded this by studying chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine in the same sentence. And so that, did, that doesn't make any sense to me because why would you... Cause, because chloroquine does cause um, heart problems but hydroxychloroquine doesn't. So to, to conclude that, that hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine was the same, that was a big plot hole for me. I mean, I, I call it plot holes because that's what it is. It's a plot hole in fiction that they have to fix. And, and you could just Google it. There's a difference between chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, but in this study, they grouped them together and concluded that they both reacted the same way when you put them in people. And, um, you know, that was a big, big, you know, big mistake on their part. And that's one of the reasons why it got pulled from, from uh, I guess, from, from the Lancet study. And um, where we are right now with, you know, a lot of science that's coming out regarding COVID, global, global warming, the, the, um, the, uh, the solutions to, to actually uh, COVID, um, Dr. Fauci, in fact, um, Dr. Fauci is, he may be a type five intellect. Um, I'm not sure. Um, but he actually may be. And, um, and, it, and, but it does seem that he is overthrottling his brain. Um, and that's my opinion because everything he said has been wrong. Um, he was against mask, then he's for mask. And then now that he's for mask, all of these studies are coming out that are basically saying that masks really don't work. There's no st statistical evidence. And he's saying we have to follow the science where the science says, well, it's pretty much inconclusive. And if you look at studies, in fact, ones that are based here in Hawaii, that when we actually implemented the mask here in Hawaii, infections went up dramatically, which it has. Ever since we put on it, when we weren't wearing masks in Hawaii, infections were down to single digits. You know, it was down. And, and um, so uh, I'm not sure where they're following their science from, but their science actually says something different. Um, and, and even into their, 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 um, their studies on hydroxychloroquine or even, or even, a, or even an over-the-counter drug called quercetin, uh, which does, which really helps, I think. It, it, really, it really, really helps. You can buy quercetin on Amazon. And I did my own research on this. Um, when it's combined with zinc, um, quercetin is the, um, an, an ionophore like hydroxychloroquine, which allows um, you know certain vitamins on there to actually penetrate the coronavirus. And uh, before before COVID, people were taking quercetin and a zinc combo to actually combat the common cold. Now the common cold can actually be, um, the common code is a coronavirus. A lot of, a lot of the common codes are coronaviruses. And um, they have found that, um, that quercetin and zinc may actually have prophylaxis 
um, capability. So I, I take um, 400 milligrams a day. It's just one pill that I pop every single day. Um, my, my mother, my, my mother's, my grandmother, um, her caretaker actually came down with COVID. Um, she got it from her husband and, um, my mom went over there. Uh, my mom is also takes care of my grandmother. She has Alzheimer's. And, uh, again, everyone was, you know, interacting with that caretaker. And, but my mom was on quercetin zinc and also my grandmother and also my aunt, my aunt. And this caretaker gave COVID to her kids and to her, um, her husband, but she didn't give it to my mom, my grandmother, who's like 90 something years old, close to a hundred. And also my aunt. And, and when I saw my parents, you know, you know, um, did my, my mom didn't give it to my dad and my, my dad, my mom, my, my mom didn't give it to me. So, um, so it, I'm not sure if it's working or if it's just coincidental, but, um, I've read these, you know, Amazon reviews on it and it seems to be working pretty good. So, uh, that's quercetin with a Q. I think it's Q-U-E-R-C-I-T-I-N, quercetin and zinc. And you can buy it on Amazon. So, uh, if you're, uh, if you're kind of skeptical about that, you can do your own research. But um, a lot of doctors um, have been using it as a prophylaxis. And how I got to know it is because I went to a, I belong to a couple closed Facebook groups uh, with, that include a lot of doctors on the front line, and they're using it. And they're the ones who told me about it. And the only reason why I got to be in there is because a lot of these doctors, for some reason, want to become the next Michael Crichton. They want to write their next novel about dinosaurs or something. <laughs> so it's like a, here I am telling them about story, and here they are telling me about how to cure COVID. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Where we are at now. I kind of got off the track with this, uh, this um, Trump derangement syndrome. Um, but that is about it. What I'll be talking about for today, and I hope I have more interesting things to talk about tomorrow. And thank you so much for listening. Um, again, you can find my episodes on scriptwritersteve.com. And you can email me at steve at scriptwritersteve.com. And I will be um, also putting up some links there you could, where you can leave voice messages. And hopefully uh, you guys can leave things and I can answer some questions and get some interaction things going here. Because it's uh, kind of strange talking to a blank wall on paper. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.